Hello, friendos, and welcome to episode four of The Never Ending Hum. Today's guest is Benny from the band Boyfrienders, as well as the podcast Invite the Neighbors. Now, quick, quick side note, some housekeeping. When I recorded this episode, it was the end of March, so Benny was not the uh, co-host of Invite the Neighbors at the time of recording, so we don't talk about that. However, since the recording of this podcast, Benny has joined up with uh, Brian and became the co-host of Invite the Neighbors. We do have a whole bunch of fun stuff, some wrestling topics. Of course, it's a podcast with me on it. There's going to be a little bit of wrestling, but also some really cool uh, stories about my birthday show that I did. Uh, I think this might be the last like big episode where we talk about that. Um, I'm sorry that we talk about it so damn much. And then also, you know, some cool insights and tidbits about touring and making music. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you are excited for this one and all the rest of the episodes. Go ahead, enjoy this episode, and I'll see you on Monday for another brand new episode. On with the show. All right, I am here with Benny from the band Boyfrienders. Uh, anything else you're involved in? I know you, or you used to manage the band Hearts of Palm, which is a really cool small indie band. Um, I actually still manage them to an extent. I mean, as much as you can manage a band during all of this stuff going on right now. Is it cool to swear, yeah. by the way, or no? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sorry. Um, through all this shit going on right now. I actually used to play synthesizer in that band, but mm. now it's kind of like I kind of quit for a multitude of reasons. One of them was because Boyfrienders was starting to get a lot of steam and it's like they were kind of running a little bit stagnant for a while, but it's starting to pick up again with them and I'm very, very happy about it. Well, there you go. So we have a uh, but Boyfrienders is your main that that's your that's like your love child, isn't it? Yes, I have been doing it on and off since, I think, 2013. Right after I graduated high school, I started this project, and I was recording straight to a boombox microphone cassette recorder, straight to cassette, and releasing. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. (laughs) And then when Hearts of Palm started, I kind of took a break from it because I was like, all right, this is sick. I really want to put everything towards this band, but I've been doing it on and off, on and off. Last year, probably around last January, is when I really decided to take Boyfrienders seriously again. And you just released a amazing album, if I do say so myself, Scenes of Brooklyn. It just came out last week at time of recording. Yes, August, it came out March, March 20th. March 20th. So I got to hear... A decent amount of it early because you played my birthday show. But <laughs> um, so for the listeners, you should definitely listen to that record. We'll talk about that record. We'll talk about Boyfrienders in general. Um, it's a four piece live, correct? Well, normally it's a four piece live. Yes. Where I usually try to split it up evenly between solo shows and full band shows because. With the full band shows, you have four different people who have four different things going on in their lives at any given moment. So I kind of wanted to give myself some solo shows too, just to kind of like continue to build the momentum and just be able to like just get out there and play this music. But it's all for the purpose of getting people to get stoked on the full band stuff. There you go. Um, You record all this by yourself, like, like on the CD, it's all you, correct? Yes, on Scenes of Brooklyn, it's all of the instruments played except for a few guitar parts here and there, which were played by our other guitarist, Matt. Um, mm. I play myself, but there's like there's like a part on it where my friend Chris from Hearts of Palm, he sang the bridge on Brighton Beach. And then I had Felix from Chapo Trap House and Garrett from Mega 64, two completely different like podcasts two completely spheres of people i had them do the intro and outro for lower east side blues jake those from are, the palm up oh, those sorry. are th- those are probably two of the greatest features i've heard recently but go ahead i'm honestly really really happy that i was able to get them i remember i was telling the person who mixed and mastered the album austin from eureka records i was like 
oh, hey, I just got Felix from P Chapo Trap House to do an intro for one of the songs. And he was just like, how the fuck did you get that? And I was <laughs> like, I, I just sent an Instagram DM. That was it. Um, Tell me a little bit about Boyfrienders, how it started, um, where it started, why it started, and then give me a little bit more detail on Scenes of Brooklyn. Um, okay, so where it started and why it started. Um, so my favorite band of all time has always been the Mountain Goats. I've Ooh. just really always appreciated, like, John Darnielle, like, his breadth of work, his recording methods, everything that he's done ever since the early 90s up until, like, basically 30 years later up until today. So I kind of wanted to start a music project that kind of emulated that sound in a lot of ways. Now, of course, with Teenage World, which was last year, and especially now with Scenes of Brooklyn, I've kind of expanded beyond that more, like, indie folk kind of sensitivity that the Mountain Goats tend to have. That folk punk. Yeah. And uh, I have honestly really, really been enjoying the direction that we've been taking since then. The name Boyfrienders is, I honestly get asked that all the time. I literally cannot point anyone to the point of reference anymore. It was a video from, like, that guy that I have on Scenes of Brooklyn, Garrett Hunter from Mega64. He used to yeah. have a personal YouTube channel where he, him and his friends would just, like, put up skits. And the term boyfrienders came from one of those videos. I think at the most it got, like, a thousand views or something like that. And then it ended up being taken down from YouTube. So I can't even find the original video anymore, which is unfortunate because it's actually a really funny video. Mm. But that's where the name came from. And I kind of like I'd been going through a bunch of different names in my head and everything. And that was always the one that stuck the most to me. So that's why I kind of like latched onto that name. There you go. Um, Scenes of Brooklyn, this last record was my first record listening to you guys. Um, I think I found you on Twitter because you were going to be, you were going to be doing a show with mover shaker. I believe this was like a month before the mover shaker gig. And you posted that you were going to start uh, having flyers. I think, I think it was about the Palestinian. Um, it was yeah. the palace. Yeah, yeah. That the Palestinian conflict with um, Israel. And you posted that you were going to be, having flyers about that stuff and that was really cool to me because i <laughs> think the, i think a lot of diy is missing that punk ethos that a lot of these genres were um you know built upon and i'm not you know i'm not saying every diy band has to be a punk band um i love summer brews i think they're a really good band and i think they're one of the best diy bands going out right now but and i don't think you necessarily i mean you can tell me you're, i'm wrong like we'll go through the album real quick um, but you, if you listen to scenes of Brooklyn, there's not that many punk, like, you know, fuck the government, you know, uh, there's not that many songs like that on the record, but you still maintain that punk DIY. We're doing this for a fucking reason ethos, which is what I love. Yeah. And so that, that made me check into you guys and you this record, I have to go back and listen to your other stuff, but this record is really, really good. The best way for me to describe it is like it's like a mid 2010s indie band. Like you remember like right when uh, do you remember like right when 2012 hit and like every band wanted to have a summer record and it was all these Yeah. Do you remember Youngblood Hawk? Yes, I do. We, I can't we come remember running specific, but I they, do remember that. Yes, they do that song. We come running, and to me, that song and that album is like the perfect, the best way to describe your the last record, "Scenes for Brooklyn." To me, is I want to listen to this record while I'm taking off in a plane, like when I'm looking out the window. That's awesome, and I see everything below me, and your record is playing in my ears that's the type of mood i get from this record so tell me a little bit about the name tell me a little bit about um the inspiration behind it and you know give me any little tidbits and trivia you want to you want to share with me oh boy am i excited to do this okay so 
the concept of the album itself is contextually it's about Brooklyn in New York City. Like that's where the setting of the album lies. I I kind of sometimes hesitate to call it a concept album, but as I think about it more, it is a concept album. The thing that I wanted to get across was, and this is where the subtitle, uh, this is where Scenes of Brooklyn and then the subtitle or Meditations on Mid-20s Mediocrity comes from. It's basically me trying to vocalize the experiences, the struggles, the anxieties of going through your mid-20s whether that be relationship-based or dreams that you have or social anxiety or gender identity, all of that stuff. That's kind of what I wanted to get across. Now, conceptually, the context that I put it in was each track is its own standalone story based on basically one single concept. Like, for example, Dreamcaster is about feeling the need to end a relationship even though you don't want to. Brighton Beach is about feeling like you don't deserve to be in the place in life that you are right now. Next Stop Bushwick is about social anxiety. Lower East Side Blues is very obviously, of course, about gender identity and so on and so forth. So I kind of took all of these things that I conceptualized as struggles that someone in their mid-20s, especially around this scene would face and i mm-hmm. kind of put it in that context of like putting it in new york city yes and you specifically brooklyn it it's almost like it's almost like a picture book it's almost like if someone if you took each of these songs they could accompany a picture book and you have each different scene and this song kind of revol- each song revolved around it um specifically um, on Cayusco Street was the first song that uh, it was the, in the first two singles. It was that in Dreamcaster, correct? Yes. And on Cayusco Street was a song that hooked me um, the most. And you can really, you can just really, you have a way with your lyrics where they are not subtle in any way, and that's not an insult. It's almost a compliment because you say your words and you're very direct and you know it's very mountain goaty where it's very yes. direct you're exactly saying what you mean but you can still place that into your situations like i've never been to brooklyn but when you say um uh about the midwest and how it's has this well-known claim to fame that you hate and i'm, I'm yeah. paraphrasing but when you say that you say someone who lives in michigan who really wants to get out of michigan it's like Fuck yeah, I can feel that. <laughs> I fucking hate this place. Um, and even and even if you want to be poetic about it, as someone who very recently has just started a project, I've been I you know, if you listen to this podcast, um, first, what are you doing with your life? Secondly, I <laughs> secondly, I've said this in almost every episode, but a little backstory on me is I've been into music for my whole life. I'm 23, so I'm two years younger than you, I believe. You're 25, correct? I'm 26. Oh, there you go. So I just turned 23. So I'm three years younger than you. But um, I've been in and around music my entire life. But I've never like actually been in music. Yeah. Um, and so I just recently started my little folk punk project, which uh, you know, I played my first show to absolutely no one. But I, we have a good excuse. We have a good reason. It's a quarantine. So there you go. I feel feel a little bit better about that. But, and everything uh, ended up getting live streamed too. And I remember I was getting texts from like my bandmates and stuff that were like, "Hey, that was a really good set." So people were definitely tuning in. Yes, and I do. I, I legitimately I have all the footage still. So maybe, oh, maybe hell we'll yeah, do, maybe we'll do something with that. I have um all the footage. I have all the audio. You know, maybe maybe we'll make a little we'll make a little live album. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, but uh, I have all that. So if you want that, by the way, um. And was, I was saying, uh, it's it, you really that song in particular on Cayusco Street. You can even add that to trying to get started in an industry that has almost clicky from the outset. Like when you get yeah. into it, but w- when you get into it, it's not as clicky as it seems. But from the outside, it can seem a little clicky. You have your in Michigan at least. You only have there's only two DIY booking agencies. It's out of this world, and it's uh, Church Street. There's no yes. others. And if you can't get booked by those two, 
you're you're kind of fucked. And it's it's and in Lansing specifically, there's only two venues. It's the Avenue, um, um, and it's Max Bar. And if you can't get booked in those two venues, you're kind of fucked. So even when you're being very direct, I'm going to be leader. completely honest. I really liked playing at the Flodge. That place was fucking awesome. It's such a cool venue, and no one like yeah. Some some bands have been using it recently, but it's such an underused venue. I don't know if it's just a if it's just a um, unknown secret, but I can't wait so this I'll be over and get back to Lansing and do more shows at the Fledge. Um, I'm currently working on a festival at the Fledge, and I cannot wait. Oh hell yeah, that'll be sick. Um. Anyway, so next question I have for you is um when you were recording this album, was there a certain mind state? Because this, this record, every song sounds different yet. Every song sounds like it could be on the same, like no song feels out of place yet. Each song has its own vibe. Was that something you're going into the record trying to do, or was it just something that just kind of happened as you were allowed to be more creative? Um, I would say that it's, it is a mixture of both of those things. Um, when I put out Teenage World last year, I really, don't get me wrong, I really, really like that album, but I feel like what that album suffers from is a lack of a direction. I feel like I was just being pulled in too many different directions, and like, while all of the tracks still fit together, and it still fit together as an album, I felt like I could do much better. So going into recording Scenes of Brooklyn, that's definitely one of the things that was like, in my mind, like, I'm completely taking advantage of all of the synth resources that I have at my disposal. And I'm going to make a synth pop album, I was listening to like a lot of New Order, The Killers, kind of all that stuff at the time. So I was like, I want to emulate that, but still have it sound like me. And I feel like I did a much better job with keeping everything cohesive on this record, even though, like you said, a lot of it, like the tone changes from song to song, but it all still works when put upon the same foundation. Yeah, that's that's funny that you bring up New Order, because I've been listening to a lot of uh, Joy Division, because I'm, I'm, yeah. working on folk punk, I'm working on my folk punk record, and if you want to listen to punk joy division is the proto punk. Like that's, that's the punk that all punk should like take its roots from. Um, and new order is a great band as well, but nothing beats joy division. Um, so <laughs> tell me a little bit, let's get away from the album specifically. Let's tell me a little bit. Um, I interviewed Jake from, uh, no fun club and also good luck Trim records. Tell me a little bit about uh, that experience because so, Talking to him, he did a CD run for Diamond Boy, and then this was his label's first full album run. And was this your first experience with an indie with a DIY label? Tell me a little bit about that experience. Um, so he released Diamond Boy last November, I believe, is when it came out. I was just I saw him post on Twitter. We had been mutuals on Twitter for a while on my old account on my old personal account and <laughs> the one that has been nuked like seven times. Twitter I hates, Twitter hates boyfrienders. I literally had to have our drummer use her email and have our other guitar player use his phone number in order to make that new boyfrienders account. And it's been going well so far. It's nothing has been happening with it. So I'm well, nothing bad has been happening with it. So I'm very grateful for that. But um, so I reached out to Jake and I was like, Hey, I have this EP coming out and I am also working on this album that I was thinking about coming out with in 2020. This was probably last September. I reached out to him back when scenes of Brooklyn was originally titled the J train. And then he was like, yeah, I'll definitely put those out. And honestly, working with him has been a fucking dream. It's been really? so nice. It's like, Anything, any idea that I have or anything that I want to do, he is 100% always down for, always helps out. The, like, I feel bad because we were going to do... So the plan was for the album release before the quarantine and the stay-at-home order and all of that. I had paid to get a bunch of flyers made up. And during that period of time, we were going to go around to like 
Royal Oak, Ferndale, Downriver, and just put flyers up everywhere for the new album. Yeah. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if he would want to do this, like this kind of an idea. And it would kind of be like an all day thing. But then I reached out to him about it and he was like, oh, we're immediately doing that as soon as the quarantine is over. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of things that I know that Good Luck Charm Records is doing right now that I'm not allowed to talk about right now. But I, if there's anything that I can say to anyone right now is be completely 100% stoked for what's coming with Good Luck Charm Records because a lot, a lot of good shit is in the works right now. Yeah, talking to him, he was he was very excited about the future for Good Luck Charms. Um, so, you know, I, on this podcast, I love to talk. I love talking about your music stuff, you know. But I have one more question, music related, and then we're gonna move on to some other topics because okay. that's just what I love to do. Besides this quarantine, this quarantine has kind of ruined everything. Um, what is you, what do you see for boyfrienders in the future? What are your plans for boyfrienders? Um, is it just keep going? Um, do you see it, you know, hopefully picking up more? What do you want to do with boyfrienders once we are able to leave our houses? Um, my major plan right now with boyfrienders is now that the album is out, the thing that I'm going to focus on in the future when we're able to go outside again, basically, is start playing more live shows, play more full band shows. We had a ton of shit lined up before the quarantine happened, but thankfully a lot of it is getting moved to later in the year. Yes. We have been working on a working relationship with Audio Tree Presents, and they've been putting us on Ooh. some shows that are coming. Um, like, I don't know if it's can't. I don't think it's postponed or canceled yet. We have one coming up in June with Retirement Party, which will be sick at the Sanctuary in Hamtramck, and. Just a lot of good shit is happening. We're in with both uh, Out of This World Booking and the Church Street DIY booking company. We A lot of really, really good things are happening right now. So while we are in quarantine, I'm doing my best to try to keep the momentum going. I'm doing this podcast right now. I'm doing Ellie Hart's podcast next week, probably, where we're probably just going to talk about Glee for an hour and a half. There you we go. got. Uh, I love. I sorry to interrupt you. I love that concept of her podcast. Their podcast. Oh, it's great. It's so good. It's such a. It's such. It's such a good concept, and I. I just love it. Anyways, sorry. Go ahead. And then I'm trying to. Also, in the interim, because I know a lot of bands are, while they're not specifically recording right now, they do have things for their albums that need to be done. And I'm trying to reach out and do synth work for more bands. I've got a couple of things tentatively lined up. I did all this. I did not all of it. I did some of the synth work on the new Mover Shaker album that came out last year. I've got things coming up. I might be releasing a new single within the next few weeks. It's been... That's such a wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. You did uh, the Simfork on Mover Shakers uh, at our truck stop. I did. I did some of it. Okay. I I played since on Service Provider. Put me to sleep, and we can go to the landfill together. Wait, wait, wait hold on. Service Provider is the best song on that album. You did that Simfork. I didn't do all of the synth work. I okay. did. I did the bell part that happens in the second half of the yeah. second chorus of uh, the second verse. Sorry. Mm. And honestly, it was a lot of fun working on that album. A lot of the synth work was actually recorded in my basement by Gabriel because I'm socially friends with all of them, like to varying degrees, of course. But yeah, me and Gabriel are pretty good friends. So See- you go ahead. Sorry. The, the, that's the problem I've been having recently with uh, get trying to get my band up and running um, is that I have no friends whatsoever <laughs> and you need so many friends in this industry. Like, like you were sitting here, you're, you were saying, yeah, I have, I have contact with auto tree presents. I have contacts with both good, you know, with both uh, out of this world and church street. I did the synth work on mover shakers album, like the biggest album coming out of DIY in the last year and a half. And I'm over here like, 
Uh, I know you. Um, I know Fit the Bill. I guess I'm kind of friends with Summer Brews now. Um, that's it. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> I have a church I can do shows out of, and that's it. <laughs> Honestly, the thing that I learned that really helps a lot is just kind of like talking to people and becoming friends with them. Twitter makes this really, really easy in a lot of respects. But it's kind of like the best thing to keep in mind is that all of these people are exactly that. They're just people, real just people, like me, just like you. And it's honestly like, I honestly am very, very glad that they consider me their friends first. All of the yeah. connections in the music stuff that will obviously come second. I'm just very, very glad that I've made all of these good friends through this music scene because they're all very, very good people. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's something, that's something to keep in mind. Um, for anyone listening, uh, don't make music for money. That's not happening. Just don't, just don't do it. I think I've said this multiple times. I think I've made a collective $60 doing boyfrienders. There, there you go. Do, do, do not, whatever you do, do not do music for the money because you will fail miserably. Um, the main, I know I was, I was just whining about having no friends, but a lot, a lot of that is because I am a awkward, terrible bean and, uh, I don't know how to talk to people. So like you, you, if you, if you want to network, don't do it as if you're trying to impress a celebrity. That's never going to work. No, just um, talk to people like they're regular human beings and they will very much appreciate that more. I, I think I said it on the summer brews episode. Um, but literally two weeks ago i was listening to summer brews like you know as if it was is music right i'm yeah. running doing it spotify and then two days ago i was talking to mike from summer brews for four hours most of it was not about music and the stuff that was about music was me and him trying to fill up his rap genius with like tidbits and info like that that's so wild to me because because literally you know i i don't want i never i, I you know i i never really was like oh yeah celebrity 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 but it's so weird to me as someone who has trouble cuz i always think i'm awkward i always think i'm annoying people like if you ever read my twitter it half of it is me just being like i'm so fucking annoying which i think is more annoying than i actually am but you know whatever um and so it's like i in my back of my head i'm always thinking i'm annoying the person i'm talking to but then i get into conversations like that one and this one for that matter um because trust me this is going to go on for another hour and a half about indie wrestling we're not even there yet hold, hold your horses <laughs> We got we got so much indie wrestling to talk about, um, but it's so it's 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 really cool to be on these beginning parts of making a band and being like, yeah, these are just normal people, and maybe maybe I'll get to go on a weekender with boyfrienders or Gray Matter. I I did an interview with Jake from Gray Matter, and he's a wonderful person. So I don't know, man. Music is fun, but you did an interview with Jake and I wasn't invited. I'm kind of bummed out now. So, (laughs) so, okay. So I think I just need to start a wrestling podcast with me, you, Mike and Jake. Oh, that would be so fucking cool. I'd be so down. Because because literally, literally the only interview so far that I haven't talked about wrestling with was with Jake from Good Luck Charms. That's it. J- J- the, the interview with Jake from Grey Matter turned into wrestling immediately because apparently, I don't know if you saw over, remember when Bandcamp was doing that free, like, no fees? Yeah. Uh, Grey Matter put up an old demo where the intro to that demo was literally just Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme song. Ah, oh, that fucking rules. Yeah, I remember reading about that. I didn't get a chance to, like, listen to it. But it, it, and then that's but, so but fucking that, cool. And so that literally just we immediately start talking about wrestling, and so like, but that makes sense though because Gray Matter. If you like, did you have you listened to the Gray Matter's new album? Yeah. Yes, I love it. So the guitar work 
is tell me if I'm wrong here, but the guitar work is literally just uh, Rage Against the Machine. Like it's just the guitar. Like for that album is if Rage Against the Machine made a ska record, and I love it, which fits because Rage because Stone Cold theme song was a ripoff of Rage. The thing that I love about Grey Matter so much is that I've heard a million different people talk about their new album and everyone has something different to say about it or says that it sounds different yeah. from one another. I really, really love that. I love the fact that there are so many genres and subgenres that exist now, but even within the confines of all of those, you're still looking at the new Grey Matter album and being like, wow, this doesn't sound like anything I've heard before. Well, the the good thing about though so this is this is just a gray matter appreciation podcast now. Um, the thing about gray matter is they are one of the only bands recently that I've heard of that have so many members and do it right. Like with oh a my lot, God. Of, with a lot have, of go ahead. Uh, you should have seen them at Bloodfest last year. I swear to God, they had like a seven piece fucking brass section. Oh, see. See, I miss because they were like what second on stage A, right? I think they were first on stage A, if I recall correctly, which was, was sick it, because they had a huge crowd. Was it them and then uh and then Prince Daddy? Yes. Or, yes. Okay. So I uh I missed Grey Matter at Bloodfest because I was seeing Ness Lake um on stage B. Oh uh, yeah, our drummer Alex used to actually be the drummer for Ness Lake. Wait, that's the same person? Yeah. Okay, there that's, you go. That's Alex. He is my absolute best friend of all time. See, I knew I recognized her because Ness Lake is one of my favorite um, bands. of. Or it was one of the first DIY bands I got really into. Um, and so... Oh, they're did, so good. And it makes it, me so happy that Chandler is continuing to do stuff with it. it didn't Jack from... Uh, mover shaker do like guitar for a little while with Ness Lake. Um, for that entire run, basically yeah. of the full band setup, Jack played bass. Bass. Okay, there it is. Um, I knew it was something, but yeah. So that's that's uh. So wait, did you um did you you went to that blood fest the last blood fest last blood fest? Yes. I remember exactly where I was during that Nest Lake set too. I was and I was standing side stage with Logan from Greet Death, and we were just making fun of Chandler the whole time. There you go. Um, I need we we should we should we just need to go to shows together. That when, when this whole thing is over, I want I just want I what I really want, want to do is I want to do a week. So if you're if you're planning a weekender. Only play a weekender with two bands, by the way. Just that's my PSA. Give local bands a, ch- a chance. Oh, one hundred percent. But however, I'm about to break my own rule because I want to do a weekender of me, boyfrienders, uh, Great Matter, and Summer Brews, but only allow me, you, Jake, and Mike into a car, and maybe Stan. We'll get Stan in there too. And I just want, I just want to see what happens. I want to film it, and I want to put it like on like a like a reality show. Cause I just want to see that. That's the problem with all this fucking music shit. It's I don't even want to play shows with any of you guys. I just want to <laughs> go to shows with you. I don't want to fucking play music. I just want to go to shows. <laughs> like here's the thing: this music shit. That would be such a sick tour package, but also that is probably just about twenty people <laughs> going on tour together. Yes, it would be so great. It would be so <laughs> fantastic. Fuck it, we will we'll still give locals a shot. Six show, six band show. I don't care. Screw it. It's gonna be great. Um, <laughs> what what was your highlight of Bloodfest last year? Um, honestly, my highlight of Bloodfest was okay. So I don't know if you were still there when this happened when the fire alarm went off because. Yes. Because yes. Hollow Earth brought their own smoke machine, which is <laughs> I honestly I honestly can't be mad at them for that. That's fucking awesome. Okay, but, so I, I I feel kind of bad because of all the other bands' inconvenience, but how fucking metal shut down a whole festival by bringing your own smoke machine and then not turning it off. Yeah, that fucking ruled. I remember because when that happened, 
I was at Jimmy John's with great expectations, just getting something to eat. And mm. then we all came back and everyone was standing outside and we were like, what the fuck is going on? And then I kind of caught up with uh, Logan and he kind of told me about everything that was going on. Honestly, Logan. my favorite Logan Gavel from Greet Death. And okay, yes, go ahead. we went back in to the uh, the venue and honestly, it was so sick coming in from that and then seeing Dogleg rip the fucking coolest set that I've ever seen at any Bloodfest in general. Yeah. Besides um, seeing Code Orange kids at like the 2013 Bloodfest, which was fucking... I'm surprised someone didn't get killed in that mosh pit. But when you ask most people where you were during the Bloodfest uh, fire alarm, it's either Dogleg or Convenient Trash. Like, I've asked so many people, and those were the two sets that most people were at. I can I was... hear Convenient Trash's name without getting upset, because I never got to see them live. Oh, uh, th- that that was my first Convenient Trash set, was that set. And they were so good. Because so I don't even think that they're doing anything anymore, which is really unfortunate, because they were really I, cool. I think the singer is back in his old band before Convenient Trash. Okay. I remember... I remember that convenient trash was going to do another round. Like they broke up everyone, but the singer left and the singer was going to do another set of shows. But then I think he went back to his old band. I believe the guitarist, um, I think his name's Tony. Uh, he's, he has another band. I don't know, okay. man. They, they were so, they were so good. My, my highlight of blood fest was getting my glasses broken in the three free throw, uh, mosh pit that was pretty great by uh by the guy in the sonic outfit oh fuck i remember that guy the guy the guy in the sonic outfit crowd surfed and kicked me in the face and broke my glasses (laughs) in the middle of a free throw mosh pit so that's fun um but yeah the dog like set that was really sick um dog dog has a new album out go listen to that shit while we're here anyways go ahead sorry that album fucking rules, but uh, that's that was sick. Seeing pool kids live for the first time was really sick. Um, the mover shaker set was sick until Gabriel Deering put me to sleep, grabbed the mic, and crowd surfed, but crowd surfed starting by landing right on top of me. <laughs> yes, and that just that whole entire day was sick, like. I honestly miss Bloodfest more than anything. I didn't know if I would because, like, I'm kind of getting to the age now where fasts are just kind of hard on my body. Yeah. So it's like, I'm just really glad that I was able to experience it during the time that it was going on for so many years. I, so my, my weird, I have this weird nostalgia where I just, I got into DIY really big um at the 2017 Bloodfest. I didn't get to go though. That was the one they had uh Mom Jeans and Norma Jean there and uh a couple other really good bands. Um I didn't get to go and I got to go to the last one. That was my first and only Bloodfest was the last Bloodfest. Yeah. And now it's just like one of those things where I want to go to as many DIY fests as possible as my body can't handle it anymore. Just for the, just for, just for the camaraderie. Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. Because I, I'm so awkward and I can't talk to people, but I want to so bad. It's like, it's one of those things where I have such a hard time, like making the effort to make friends with people, but I just want to belong so fucking bad. And I didn't feel, and I felt like I belonged at fucking Bloodfest. Like I met, I met, um, the group of people who would later go on to be uh who, who used to do, who went on to do that crop top cop shit. I don't know if you yeah. know about that. I met those guys at Bloodfest, uh Kevin and those guys. I don't know, man. Bloodfest is a special is a special place in my heart. Oh, absolutely. It'll always have a special place in my heart too, like forever. Seeing uh seeing Illuminati hotties on stage A was pretty great. Uh, Sonder Bombs. That was my first time seeing the Sonder Bombs. Fucking love the Sonder Bombs. Yeah, they're fucking awesome. 
uh, now that I'm thinking about it, I because so um I don't know if you know uh Fran films on Twitter, um but Olivia is great. She's an amazing photographer. Me and her are doing this um this uh festival at the end of August or the middle of August. Uh, hopefully we can still do it. Um, to kind of like rebuild the scene almost, kind of get all these bands that uh didn't have uh had their had had their tours canceled, get them some money, get some yeah. uh get get some artists out there, sell tables to artists, and just kind of have a a festival at the at the fledge. And I'm just realizing that most of the bands that I picked to be a part of the festival or are. are tentative you know we haven't asked anybody yet but the people that were you know, we do we just finalized our uh proto band list that we want to ask and we want to want to book i'm just realizing that ha- about a quarter everyone who i picked was either i saw at Bloodfest that year or i have had on the podcast or that i have seen play live I just want to see them play live again. Yeah. So that really, I don't know, man. Um, yeah. Bloodfest. I'm just excited for like shit to get back rolling again, because it's like, I'm still keeping myself busy with boyfriend or stuff while this, uh, quarantine and lockdown is going on. But it's like, I just want to be, have that excitement of being like, oh, we have a full band show coming up and we're absolutely playing that. Not have to worry about getting it pushed back or anything like that. I'm just excited to get the ball fucking rolling again. One one of the sad parts about this lockdown for me, though, is I was just on the break of doing all that stuff. Like, I'm recording my EP. I was supposed to be recording my EP with the Fit the Bill guys um, at the end of April. Don't know if that's happening now. Um, I, I need an EP to tour. And so I had, I, I want to do all these weekenders, but I'm at the weird point where it's like, do I ask the bands now if they want to go on a weekender with me? Do I wait? Will there be a weekenders to have? Because like, will who knows when we'll get back? Will it be 2023 when we can leave our houses? No one fucking knows. So it's just like, how do you market yourself when there's a, like no certainty that you can even do anything? We just had to do something like that, too, because, um, I mean, I guess that I can say this now. Our tour that we were going to do with Hearts of Palm at the end of March or at the end of April, early May, we're probably pushing that back to late summer, probably around late July, early August. And it like it fucking sucks because we put all this money into it. Everyone was like rare in the go. Hearts of Palm has been recording a record. We just finished and put out the record. Jack from Mover Shaker was going to drive us around in the Mover Shaker tour van. It was going to be fucking awesome. And now we have to wait until late July to do all of this stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, legit, inside baseball, that's kind of why I made this podcast, though. <laughs> it's because it's like, okay, <laughs> who, who do I want to do weekenders with? Uh, Grand Matter, let me ask Mover Shaker, Summer Brews, Boyfrienders. Uh, no fun club would be fun. I'm just going to interview them. And then when everything gets back to normal, I could be like, Hey, remember that time I did that really cool interview with you? Can I open a show with you? Can, can I just, can I play some <laughs> shitty youth music? It's, it's, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Shh. I yeah, would, if what? I could give you a piece of advice for like breaking into that after all of this stuff is over and done with, I would just reach out to Out of This World Booking and be like, hey, listen, I'm playing shows. If you have demos, send them to demos. They've been really, really good with doing, like, helping bands and musicians in that way. And, like, putting them on shows and stuff like that. I mean, Boyfrienders kind of lucked out a little bit because of the fact that our drummer, Alex, her, Pat Ray is her roommate. Yeah. So that kind of helped us out in a lot of ways. But also, like, they've they are completely 100% always open to working with local musicians and they have, they are very patient and very nice in doing so as well. So I would just, when all this is over, I would just like reach out to them. Yeah. I don't know, man. We'll, 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 we'll figure it out. We will figure it out and we're going to come back better and stronger and it's going to be fun. It's going to be a great time. 
Also, um, I feel so bad because I can only record for an hour today because I have homework and shit to do. That's no what people. That's and and I'm not saying this in reference to you or anything like that. But that's yeah. what like my work and my family don't realize is the fact that I'm still technically a full time student even though everything's online, which that is, sucks. that is true. Yeah. <laughs> so before we, before I lose you, let me uh let, let's get into this because we talked a little bit about this at my show, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it enough. And uh, indie wrestling died. Oh fuck yeah, let's do it. Okay, so first off, let's start WrestleMania. Uh. What a shit show that's going to be, huh? Um, I'm honestly really interested in watching it solely for the fact to see how they go about presenting it. And based on the fact that, like, even wrestlers now are starting to be quarantined. Like, I don't even know if you saw this, but both Dana Brooke and Rey Mysterio are both quarantined right now. Yes. I, th- I am scared for Roman Reigns' life. Because he oh just had that God. cancer. He just he just beat cancer. I honestly think, like, because they're not airing it live. They're no. taping everything for it this week, and then they're just putting it out. I honestly think what's in their best interest to do, tape Mania, tape Raw for this week, for next week, tape SmackDown, and then after WrestleMania, just take a break. Like, uh, they- Take a two they, or three month break. That's what every other sporting or athletics thing is doing. Just take a break. They should have took a break before Mania because the, although it's been a train wreck to watch and it's like a good train wreck, like I'm enjoying it. The Raws and Smackdowns have been garbage. That's what I've been hearing. Like I haven't really been keeping up with them. Well, I'll keep up with Smackdown every once in a while because on the whole, it's usually a better show than Raw. But like, I haven't really been, well, I've been keeping up with in the ways like I'll read about it. I haven't really been watching them, though, just because I haven't really had the time lately, unfortunately. But now that we're all under quarantine lockdown, it yeah. gives me the chance to finally go back and, like, catch up with that, catch up with AEW, like, all of that stuff. Well, so with AEW, they've been actually doing, like, real shows just with, like, the wrestlers and the crowd. With SmackDown and Raw... They will do, like, some matches to an empty arena, but then they'll, like, add, like, old matches. Like, two two Raws ago, the entire first two hours was just this year's Royal Rumble. Was it really? Jesus Christ. then, Then they had one match and then a Stone Cold Steve Austin segment, and that was your Raw. Was that Raw? That but, Royal Rumble was good, right? If I remember yeah. correctly, the Royal Rumble was good this year. Yeah, it had the... It had Edge, it had the whole Brock Lesnar thing, which I found was good, where he was just destroying everybody. I thought that was good fun. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it a second time. But when your entire first two hours of a three-hour show is a 45-minute, hour-long match that happened two months ago, you know you're kind of scraping the barrel for content. Yeah, and honestly, they made a really good decision, which instead of having all of the empty chairs in the performance center, they took all of the chairs out, which makes it look more like a studio show instead of an, a live show with no one there, which That's is true. a really good step. But WWE doesn't have the creative direction to be able to produce good studio wrestling shows like that. No, li- listen, when when... The shindy GCW, and I love GCW. I'm not calling them a shindy um, as an insult. They they are yeah. the outlaw promotion, right? Like they're 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 not supposed to be high glamour. When they can put on a good, uh, no fan show better than WWE, the billion dollar company, you know something's wrong. Yeah, and it's just like it's kind of so unfortunate seeing how kind of WWE creative has fallen even within the last few years. Like I used to watch it when I was little and then I dropped off for a few years. And then when I came back, it was during the WrestleMania 30, like the yes movement, Daniel Bryan Renaissance is what pulled me back in. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh shit, this is all really good. But then it's just kind of like, I think the issue is that there's, there's too many writers. Yeah, that's true. And and most of them are not from wrestling. They don't understand wrestling. Um, is there anything you're excited about WrestleMania this year? Um, I, I, so they have finished taping most of the main event matches. 
I, the one thing I'm interested out is I want to see how they do some of the not in the ring matches. Like the boneyard match is supposed to be actually like in a graveyard, which that might be fun. I'm hoping, I'm hoping they take like Lucha Underground and actually like make it feel like a TV show and not wrestling. You know, I, I really, yeah, I really hope they do that because that would be so sick it would be it would immediately set it apart from every other wrestlemania it's like oh we're doing something it would be so much better if instead of just like having an empty arena show they just did something completely different make it a tv show instead of a live wrestling show give it yeah. that kind of atmosphere that would be sick and like it it it, it would make it feel what it is this is not going to be a WrestleMania in the normal sense. Yeah, you know, it's going to be WrestleMania, but like this is a weird time we're living in. This isn't one off. We're not gonna be talking about this WrestleMania in years to come because oh yeah, you remember the performance center WrestleMania? No, no one's gonna say that. So have fun with it. Have fun with it and produce it like an episode of Lucha Underground and that will get people to talk about it for years to come. Like exactly. I- like, people are going to talk about it for years to come anyways, but it's not going to be for any of the wrestling respects. It's always going to go down as the WrestleMania that got canceled because of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So make it fun. Make it make it noteworthy in a way that'll get people to not talk about it in that respect, if that makes sense. That does. Um, so one last question before I let you go. Uh, while we're talking about wrestling... We talked a little bit about this in person, but I'll ask you this again. What is the one match or the one show that you are bummed out about most that got canceled because of WrestleMania weekend? For non-wrestling oh. fans, WrestleMania weekend um, has become a renaissance festival of independent pro wrestling yes. in recent years. Every promotion runs a show. What was the one show or one match you are sad about missing? The one, there are two shows that I think are tied that I'm really sad about missing. I'm really sad about missing the Joey Janela Spring Break show. And I'm really upset that we're not going to get the Josh Barnett Bloodsport show with John Moxley. It's yes. really, really upsetting because both of those shows every year for the past couple of years have been my favorite ones. The, I think it was last year where it was the Josh Barnett and Minoru Suzuki match at Bloodsport is one of my favorite matches of all time in general. Probably because Minoru Suzuki is my favorite wrestler of all time. But like, regardless, yes, it's, it's just it's such a bummer that all of that stuff got canceled because. Indo- like, if people think that making money through music is hard, ooh, try being an <laughs> independent wrestling yeah holy shit those people deserve all of the money that they're able to get oh like especially like if you think of like fucking gcw right and that they're the ones who run uh joy janela spring break in josh barnett's blood sport which was matt riddle's blood sport um in 2018 i love (laughs) matt riddle i love matt riddle's my favorite my i'm a such a mark for matt oh my god when when people talk shit about like Matt Riddle stepping up to Goldberg or stepping up to Brock Lesnar. I'm always like, how do you not read about that and not think that it's dope? It's so like, that's, that's a so fucking move. sick. Yeah. Um, but Matt like, Riddle is a hero and he deserves to be treated as such. But but GCW GCW does death matches on almost every card. And like these people are putting hyperkermic needles in their cheeks. And they're falling on knife boards, and they're making like five hundred bucks. If you like... want, here's the thing about deathmatch wrestling for me. I can understand it, its existence, and I can support it to an extent where it's GCW and they don't make their entire brand deathmatches. Yeah. But, like, shit like CZW and stuff like that, like, I can never bring myself honestly to support because those people are literally killing themselves. So, so okay, tr- tr- trigger warning. We're going to talk about mental oh, health. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. Just trigger warning. We're talking about mental health for about two seconds. So uh, if you if you are uh, 
if you don't want to talk here about mental health, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, this is Benny from Boyfrienders. Uh, he, they, he, they. Do you have a preference? They, they, uh, they can be found at. Want to plug your stuff real quick? I can be found at um, Boyfrienders. Just search for the name Boyfrienders on Twitter because go. because the at is hard to pronounce. I I'm going to be doing regular live streams now on my personal Instagram channel, which is Instagram.com slash BornXHowling. I have Bandcamp. I'm we're on Spotify, Apple Music, all of that shit. So go, go listen to Boyfrienders. Listen to Scenes of Brooklyn and go on Bandcamp and order a cassette because I think we only have like four of them left. Okay, there you but, go. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. Thanks, thanks for being on. And then uh, this is gonna be a little little postscript. Okay, so the thing with death matches <laughs> that I personally and I feel bad for liking them so much. I think it's like I, I think it's kind of like a like I don't want to say like a self harm thing, but it's like one of those things where like if you to listen to some of the the deathmatch wrestlers from years ago, like Sick Nick Mondo and Justice Payne, they were doing this for a reason. Like, they weren't yeah. just waking up one morning and being like, yeah, I want to put myself on fire. It was very much a, I don't care if I live, so I'm going to put myself on fire. That yeah, sounds like fun. You can, with a lot of how a lot of those early deathmatch wrestlers, like, with how a lot of those deathmatch wrestlers turned out, like, later in life, like, even looking at a lot of, like, the classic ECW guys, yeah. it's kind of just, like, that's why I really can't find it in me to, like, be able to stomach deathmatch wrestling. Now, I'll never look down on someone for being able to, and I'll never look down on someone themselves for, like, doing it. It's just kind of not really my taste. Yeah, I get that. Does that, that. make sense? I, 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 I really do get that, because, like, I don't know. See, my, my, one of my things is I either want to be or wrestler. Those are the two things I want to do my spare time. And, uh, but this is, that's something I ha I've had to like wrestle with recently. Not, no pun intended. Um, is, <laughs> is that my girlfriend says, if you ever become a deathmatch, uh, if you ever become a wrestler, you cannot do death matches because you literally will kill yourself. And you won't mean to, you won't, you won't try to. But you will never be able to say no, and you will jump off of a three-story building onto a spider web of tacks, and you will die. So, yeah, that's that's the big thing I'm worried about is that I just don't want these guys to end up like New Jack. Yeah. I don't want these guys to end up like. See, Nick Gage is kind of a weird thing for me. Yeah. It's like, I just don't want these guys to end up doing things that will either put them in jail or will affect them for the rest of their lives. And I understand, like, going for it to make a name for yourself in the business. And like I said, I would never look down upon anyone for doing it. It's just the fact that it's like someone shouldn't feel like they have yes. to do something like that yes. in order to make a name and, for themselves. And I think nowadays it really isn't that anymore where, you know. Yeah. Especially with GCW and even CZW now. CZW barely does death matches, and that's the reason for that. Because so many of these people died young or retired young or went to jail like Nick Gage. Which, okay, first off, don't do crimes, first off. But, <laughs> but, but, but second off, second off, if you're going to do a crime, robbing a bank with no, with, with no weapon... It's probably like the best crime to do. From like, yeah, didn't he literally just like write it down on a note, and give it to the teller, and the teller was basically like, "Fuck you." No, so he wrote, he wrote, he he wrote it down on a note. He the teller gave him the the money, and then he went to the to like a bank across the street from that bank, and the cops caught up with him because he was robbing another bank across the street. See, honestly, when people do things like that, it's either they're one, they're incredibly stupid, 
or two, they can't handle life as it is right now and need and just like they want to be sent to like confinement. Yeah. Which sucks because no one should ever be put in that kind of position. That's, yes. And that's a whole different podcast where we discuss where we discuss the yeah. importance of big businesses and whether or not robbing from banks is okay if you do it with no weapon and the wait for the toll next on the employees and then we talk about capitalism listener, and we don't have the time for that today. I have a I have a note for the listeners real Go quick. Go for it. Stay tuned for the next episode that we're both on where we discuss the current issues facing the world today and how to dismantle them. Yes, this this is just screw this podcast. We're just gonna we're gonna have two new ones. It's gonna be <laughs> me, you, Jake, and Mike discussing wrestling, and then me and you discussing about capitalism, how the terribleness of it and how we can destroy it if we just all band together and just overthrow the government and we got this. <laughs> I honestly think it'd be sick if me and Jake from Good Luck Charm Records did an episode together. I would really like to do that. Let's, you know what? Let's uh, let, let, let's get some uh, let's get some group chats going. But for now, for now, um, if you're still here for some for reason, now. if you're listening to all this bullshit, thank you for listening. Thank you, Benny, for uh, <laughs> being such a great guest. And uh, it's absolutely no problem. I had so much fun.